Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 42. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. This is God's word. Should we pray together? Father, we uh, praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for all that he's won for sinners like us. And as we hear his words to us this evening of the cost of following him, we pray that you would teach us whether we're brand new to these things or whether we've heard them a thousand times. Please, by your spirit, would you teach us? We cry out to you in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever heard words like these, these words of Jesus? Jesus says, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus Christ says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Have you ever heard words like that before? Have you heard these words of Jesus before or maybe You've never heard them before, and you're coming to these words for the first time this evening, and these words are an enormous shock. Whether you have heard them before or not, they come as a shock because, well, it seems so different to the Jesus that we were led to believe in when we were growing up, little Jesus, meek and mild, and yet here seem to be some of the most arrogant words that anyone has ever spoken, some of the most violent words that anyone has ever spoken. I come into the world not to bring peace, but a sword. They're so strange to us. As, uh, as we heard earlier, we were remembering that uh, the Christmas is fast upon us. And we remember these words that we had at the top of our service sheet. That Jesus Christ comes as the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So, so what do we do? Do we, I mean, do we need to take out those last three words, Prince of Peace? Do we just need to remove them? Because these words seem to say something different. What is Jesus talking about? What is Jesus talking about? Jesus says, in effect, in these verses, look, I stand at a fork in the road. When you come to me, you come to a fork in the road. Either you choose to follow me or you choose not to. And that choice that you make has eternal consequences. 
And so Jesus says, with all of the competing voices that at that crossroads might pull you in any one of different directions, Jesus says, listen to me, follow me, whatever it costs you, follow me. I am the voice that you need to listen to in the middle of this. And the clue to that, that problem of what do we do with these words and Jesus being the Prince of Peace is to see that Jesus is speaking about a time of crisis. If you were here last week, you might remember these words from chapter 10, verse 28. Let's just look back at them, page 975 and verse 28. Jesus says, look, there are lots of people that you could fear, lots of voices coming at you. Which voice, which one should you fear? Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, verse 28, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus has been teaching some very striking things. Jesus says life is, in one sense, a time of crisis. There is eternity up for grabs. Don't fear these other voices, but listen to fear the one God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus, the greatest lover of human history, warns us in love that sin has to be paid for. There is a place where that happens in hell, that sin has to be paid for. And so Jesus says, life is a time of crisis. These 60, 70, 80 years, it's a time of choice. You come to the fork in the road. Which way do you go? Who do you listen to? And of course, knowing that it's a time of crisis just changes everything. Suddenly we, we want to listen. It's slightly different when there's a crisis on. So I don't know if you know this name. Lawrence Goldburn. Lawrence Goldburn. Blank faces all around. No one's ever heard of this guy. Lawrence Goldburn. I imagine that for the last three, four, five years, very few people have listened to Lawrence Goldberg. I don't know that personally about him, but I imagine that sometimes he says things and sometimes people listen and sometimes his children don't listen and sometimes his wife doesn't listen. Who, who was Lawrence Goldburn? In the last three months, lots of people have been listening to him. Uh, he's the Chilean mining minister. He's been the guy who's been in charge of getting the 33 uh, out of the Chilean mine. And do you see the difference in that? Just in life, the last three or four years, it's not a crisis. You listen to Lawrence or you don't. That's fine. That's your choice. But in a time of crisis, you listen to Lawrence Goldburn. And if you're down in the mine, you really listen to Lawrence Goldburn. In a time of crisis, everything changes. You've got to listen to the right person. And that's what Jesus is saying in this passage. Look, life is a time of crisis. There is eternity. There is a choice. People do end up in one of two places. Who you listen to really matters. And Jesus Christ is saying to us this evening, listen to me, follow me. So let's just uh, follow these verses through and see what Jesus says in some more detail. And these verses are particularly important for everyone. But look, if you're just looking in on the Christian life this evening, you're just thinking, should I follow Jesus or not? These verses could not be more relevant to where you're sitting this evening. So let's see, first of all, verse 34, that Jesus says that his mission brings division. Verse 34, don't suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Does that not surprise you that Jesus Christ says he came into the world 
to not bring peace, but to bring a sword. What is he talking about? Well, just to pause for a minute. This isn't the full story of Jesus's mission. You couldn't sum up the mission of Jesus Christ just in this statement. Uh, So already in Matthew's gospel, we've heard Jesus say, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus says that. Blessed are the peacemakers. He's clearly come to bring peace in one sense. Uh, Earlier in this same chapter, in verse 13 of chapter 10, Jesus says, "When, when you go to a house, let your peace rest upon it. Jesus has come to bring peace. He sends out his disciples to bring peace into a house. Uh, We've seen in Matthew, Jesus do things that destroy the enemies of peace, illness, uh, death. Jesus destroys them. He's getting rid of them. He's the king. Do you remember? He's come into the black and white world and is touching things and they turn to color. He's bringing in a world of lasting peace. And if you were to keep reading in Matthew's gospel, you'd see how ultimately Jesus does that. Jesus Christ goes to the cross takes all of the things, the sin that make for no peace in this world and takes them on his own body so that one day there will be ultimate peace. The final picture of the Bible is one of ultimate peace. No more death, no more crying, no more mourning, all of that gone. A world uh, of peace. And through that, and now, we can enjoy peace. The warring factions can be broken down when people come on an equal footing to the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus has come to bring ultimate peace. That is his mission. So don't go away from these verses thinking this is everything that Jesus Christ has to say on the subject of peace. No, he says, I come into the world to bring ultimate peace in the world to come. But you see verse 34, he says, I don't think I've come to bring peace to the earth now. Not, not yet. Yeah, one day, yes, but not yet. And now I bring a sword rather than peace. I think the image of the sword there is not, is not violence, but division. It's what we see in the next few verses after that. People are divided in two, just like a sword just cuts through and things are sliced uh, open. But you see the paradox of, of this. Jesus says, I, I come to bring ultimate peace, but that mission brings a sword of division. Now, how do those two things square? Do you, see, do you see the problem? Jesus says, I come to bring ultimate peace, but now there'll be a sword. How do those two things fit together? I was trying to work this out in, in my mind, and the, the best way of explaining it to myself was, was this. Maybe it'll help you. Imagine there's a, a general. Uh, imagine there's a general in the world who could guarantee that there would never be another war. Never, ever be another war. He was a brilliant general. He was a good general. He was a powerful general. He, he could guarantee that it was wiped out forever. And government started to listen to this, uh, this general. Uh, within weeks, Afghanistan was resolved. Uh, days after that, the Middle East crisis came to an end. North Korea was disarmed. Tanks were uh, taken out of action across the world. This general just started to do things. He changed the way that uh, the world was. Individuals, not just governments, listened and arguments stopped. The Friday night uh, brawl down the end of the road in, in the pub at the end of your street it just stopped. It was wiped out because of this general and then one person stood up and said everyone we we need to listen to this guy to this general this is the one who can sort everything out for us in the world and someone else said "Uh, we don't want uh, this general we don't want to listen to this general his claims are far too exclusive we want to do things our own way and he punched the guy in the face and a, a fight sort of started out in that way 
That's a, I don't know if it helps anyone. It helped me. But um, look, here's the point. War breaks out because of an offer of peace. Here's a guy who comes who offers peace. who says, I can wipe out war forever. And then out of that uh, comes this division about this general. Do you, do you see how that um, maps onto these verses here? Here is Jesus Christ who comes into the world and says at the cost of his own life on the cross, he will wipe out war forever. He will wipe out death forever. We've seen him do it in Matthew. He will wipe out disease forever. He will wipe out warring factions forever, one day ultimately. But his claim is an exclusive one. He does say, only my death on the cross can do that. Only my death on the cross can do that. And as a result, there's division. There's division as a result of what Jesus Christ says. And war breaks out because of his plan of peace. Do you see how those two things fit together? War comes as a result of Jesus' exclusive plan of peace. And he says in chapter 10 and verse 35 that the fault line for that is felt most keenly in a family. Verse 35, I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies, will be the members of his own household. He's quoting from the prophet Micah who foresaw this time when this would happen. He lived in his day in a time of corruption. He didn't know who to trust. And he said uh, at the end of the next verse, he says, as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my savior. God, my savior will come and sort this out. And God, our savior, Jesus Christ did come. And as a result, uh, in the family, Jesus says there's division and it's felt most keenly there. And for some of you, this is not a surprise. For some of you, this has exactly been your experience when you came to Jesus Christ, the one who brings ultimate peace. You sided with him. You joined his team. And as a result, uh, within your family, you've felt this. And if you're looking in, this is what Jesus prepares us for, that that this can be the experience of those who come to Jesus Christ. Jesus prepares us for this, that there will be division within a family. People are divided into, there's a sword. Either they're on the side of Jesus' offer of ultimate peace, uh, or they're against it. There are only one of two places to be. And Jesus says in the family, that is felt most keenly. And some here will know that. And for those who uh, feel that, Hold on for the end of these verses, verse 42, as we come to why to keep going when you're in that situation. But Jesus warns us. He says, this is the situation. This is what it will be like. I've not come to bring peace now, but a a division so that ultimate peace one day will come. And so Jesus teaches in these next verses, verse 34. In the light of that, because I come as a rescuer to pull people out of the grip of hell, because I come to do that, Verse 34, don't put anything before Jesus Christ. Verse 37, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
And there's a structure in these verses. It's, it's the one who, three times. The one who does this, the one who does this, the one who does this. In other words, there are three things that you could put forward before Jesus Christ that would be wrong things to put before him uh, in this time of crisis. Uh, family, comfort, uh, and success. Jesus says any one of these three things, if you get them in the wrong place, if you get them before me, you could miss out on eternal life forever, says Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, look, if you put family before me, if you listen to them first instead of me, you could miss out. You won't be worthy of me. You'll miss out on life with me forever. Now we have to be careful. Let's just pause on that. The Bible teaches clearly that God designs us to be in families. Uh, We're taught elsewhere to honor our father and mother. Jesus clearly teaches that again. Our fathers are to love their sons, are to love their daughters. But Jesus is saying that if you put them above me in this crucial area of listening to me, then you'll miss out on life forever. Jesus is calling us to love him first, to cleave to him first of all. He's saying in the area of comfort, verse 38, anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. See, what wrong thing are you putting first if you don't pick up your cross? Are you putting comfort before Jesus Christ? The cross in the ancient world was this image of of suffering. You'd have seen people walking to the cross. If you saw anyone walking with a cross, you knew that they were going to die. The equivalent today of putting your head in a noose. It's that sort of graphic image. That's what you're doing. Jesus says anyone who isn't prepared to, in effect, put their head in the noose for me, come with me to my death, die to this life so that they can get the next life, choose comfort instead of uh, eternal life, will miss out uh, on that. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the um, German theologian, who said that when Jesus Christ calls a man or a woman to follow him, he calls them, come and die. It is an invitation to come and die. I was, um, some of us heard the testimony of a man um, uh, recently who explained his testimony in this really striking uh, way. That when he became a Christian, uh, he died. Someone asked him, when did you become a Christian? What was it like becoming a Christian? And, uh, and this guy said, um, I became a Christian about 20 years ago. And at that point, I died. I said, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you, you died at that point? He said, I I died to myself being in charge of my life. Jesus Christ became my Lord. I, I died to my reputation in this life so that I might be with Jesus forever. I died to getting what I wanted out of this life and I waited for the life to come. I gave up on comfort. I didn't put comfort above listening to Jesus Christ. That's what it is to become a Christian. It's to listen to Jesus Christ first and put comfort further down the list. Or or third thing, Jesus says, verse 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The picture there is of success, of holding on to your life, of of getting or sucking the marrow out of life. Do you remember that in in Dead Poet Society, if you ever saw that film years ago, sucking the marrow out of life, seizing the day, being successful with your life here and now finding your life, finding yourself. Jesus says, if, 
if that's how you live, if you put that first, well, what happens, verse 39? If you try and find your life now, if you try and have ultimate success in this life, you will lose it in the next because you won't listen to me. You won't listen to what I say about heaven and hell. But, verse 39, if you lose your life now, if you, if you hand it in, if you die as that man did when he became a Christian, if you die to yourself, well, you find it. Jesus says, don't put anything before him. Again, look, how, how does this work? How does this, how does this fit with Jesus' teaching about honor your father and mother elsewhere in the New Testament? How does it fit with um, love other people? What do we do with this when Jesus says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me? Well, look, imagine that you're... Uh, you're back with our, our general. You may be tired of him already, but I'm going to press on. Imagine, imagine that you're back with our, our general, and there you are. He's, he's got a, a plan that can wipe out death uh, forever. And there you are with him at the front line, and suddenly you think, wait a second, wait a second. I'll just, uh, I'll just go home for the, for the weekend, and, uh, and, and you run home for the weekend back to your mother and your father, you go back to mum and dad, and, and they say, how's it going? How's it going? Any chance that the war will be over? And you, forgetting that the general has a plan to, to wipe it out, start to listen to them. You say, well, uh, dad, what do you think is the best way of, of solving the problem of, of global war and terror? What do you think we should do? And uh, your dad says, well, I've always thought that if we, if we think nice thoughts, um, then the wars will just disappear. And you say, Mum, what do you think? How do we get rid of the, the war forever? And Mum says, I've always thought if you tie a handkerchief around your wrist and you, and you jump three times around, then, then war will end forever. And, and you go back running up to the general and, uh, and you say to the general, I've got, this, I've got this brilliant idea. I've been at home, I've been talking to my mum and dad and they've said that the way that we get rid of um, these things is we tie a hanky around our wrist and we, and we do this. And the general would turn to you and he'd say, just to be clear, have your parents ever been in a war? What, what do they know about war? And you pause and you say, actually, actually, not much, nothing. They've never been to the front line here. They've got no idea about war at all. Look, if you listen to your parents at that point, then you, you love your parents. You listen. They have your ear more than our general does in that story. Jesus Christ says that we should love our parents Jesus says, I'm sure that you love, many of you love your mums and dads very much. You listen to them on many things rightly. They, they brought you up in this world rightly. You, you honour them rightly. That's all right, says Jesus. That's right. But Jesus says, your mum and your dad don't know war, in effect. They don't know, they don't know the problem of the world and how to get rid of sin and death forever. They don't know how to do that. How could they? They're humans. They, they can't deal with the problem of sin. They can't defeat death as Jesus has been doing in chapter 8 and 9. They can't do that. Listen to them on lots of things. But Jesus says, if you love them more, if they have your ear, and you listen to them on this thing, in this time of crisis, Jesus says, you're not worthy of you. You'll miss out on life forever with me. And so Jesus urges us, don't put family before me. Don't put your personal comfort before me. Don't put success in this life before me. Jesus says, if they trump me, 
in this area of listening to me as to how you get out of verse 28. Do you remember where we were, verse 28? That's where we started. Verse 28. Be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus says, if you let comfort or your family or anything else trump listening to me on this one, Jesus says you miss out on life forever. What good will family and comfort and success in this life be? Jesus says, if you end up there, what good will it be? Well, where does that meet uh, some of us today, I wonder? Um, Some will be looking in on on the Christian faith. And and Jesus lovingly warns us uh, about what becoming a Christian could do to some of our relationships. And if you're looking in and you're wondering, what what would be the cost for me of following Jesus Christ? Well, look, this is a real cost that many here would testify to. That many would say, I stand by the Prince of Peace. I trust in him. And that means that for me with my family... Actually, sometimes in the conversation, we're divided. We've always been so close in many areas, but now there's a division. I trust in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, but actually, uh, there's a division. And and for for you, if you're looking in on the Christian faith, Jesus says you need to know that. Maybe as well for some who've started out in the Christian faith, maybe you're at a bit of a turning point. You've come into the student world. And your family are saying to you, as you trust in Jesus as a Christian, they're saying, um, maybe this is just a phase that they're going through. They'll, they'll come back away from the Christian faith. It's just a phase. Or they say, uh, we wish that you didn't go to that church that says that Jesus Christ is the only way that sin and death can be dealt with. We wish you didn't go to that church. Please stop. Please stop going there. Please stop listening to teaching about Jesus Christ being the only one who can get us from hell to heaven forever. Please stop listening to him. And just because it's a drip, 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 you start to listen. And Jesus says, listen to me. On this one, listen to me. On this, I am the only one who's taken the punishment upon himself to pay for your sin. Listen to me. And though you love your parents, and though you're tempted and torn uh, in that, and though it breaks your heart, on this issue of how people can be moved from heaven, from hell to heaven forever, on this issue you cannot listen to them, says Jesus. They don't know war, they don't know how to deal with the problem of the world. But finally, there may be some who are, who are beyond that, who are maybe just growing stubborn in that, who've started to listen to the comfort of the world first of all, who've started to move away from trusting in Jesus Christ because the pressure was too much who have started to put comfort up the list instead of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, verse 39, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Verse 40, the third thing Jesus says, receive those sent by him, verse 40. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. So in this time of crisis, what do we do? In this life that we're all traveling through, who do we listen to? Is there anyone we can listen to? And Jesus says, yes, there are people that I've sent who you can trust and you can listen to. I think verse uh, verse 40 is probably specifically the apostles, the the people that Jesus is speaking to at that moment, the, the 12 that he called together and then sent out to teach. 
Uh, I think that because um, chapter 11 and verse 1, Jesus has been instructing his 12 disciples. So Jesus has been teaching a particular bunch of people. He's focused uh, on them with others listening in. And Jesus is saying, look, whoever receives you, you lot, whoever receives you and what you're going to teach receives me. That's how it works. If you receive these guys, you receive me. And if you receive me, the logic goes, you receive God the Father, the one who sent me uh, into this world. And so verse uh, 41 is is simple. If you receive a prophet, you get the reward of of a prophet. Uh, You get the reward of them speaking to you. You get the reward of the things that they promise. If you receive a, a righteous man, you get a reward at that level. That's how it works. And verse 42 If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, one of these ones in front of Jesus, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he won't lose his reward. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm sending you 12, you lot, I'm sending you out. You're like the the gatekeepers. You're like my commanders if I'm the general. That's how it works. And how people, people respond to you as you go out is how people respond to me. And so Jesus says, verse 42, if anyone gives you a cup of cold water, it's not a big thing, it's just a small thing. If anyone, you can imagine them going out into all of the the villages. If you give someone just a cup of cold water, it's it's just a small token that you accept them. These guys go out into the villages, they don't know if anyone's going to accept them. If someone gives you a cup of cold water, it's just the start, they've opened the door to you. They've just opened the door, just a crack, and they've started to accept you. And so the application is, um, well, what's the application? As you go home this evening, what what do you think? Um, I've got to give a a, a cup of cold water to um, to one of uh, the disciples. That's going to be that's going to be tricky, isn't it? I mean, they've all um, they've all died. Um, How do I give a cup of cold water to one of those twelve, one of the ones standing in front of Jesus at that moment? What does this mean for me? Well, I think it means this: these guys were sent out by Jesus to teach, to proclaim the kingdom. These were the ones who would write down the New Testament. These would write down the books like Matthew that we're reading now. They'd write uh, the rest of the teachings of Jesus down as the Holy Spirit led them. And we can receive their teaching today. They were sent by Jesus so that we can receive uh, them today. So when you read the Bible, you're reading what they said of Jesus. So keep going in that. Um, this Wednesday night, we mentioned it earlier, the Christianity Explored course, the, the taster evening that we're having this week. We'll be looking at what these little ones of Jesus wrote down about Jesus Christ. And historians would say that we can at least start to look at their writings as reliable accounts of the life of Jesus. If, if you wouldn't say you're a Christian, why, why read the New Testament? Well, historians would say these were the guys who were around Jesus They're accepted in their communities as being those sent by Jesus. These are the teachings of those people written down. It's not crazy to start to look at that. It's not crazy to come to a taster evening and just have a look. So can I ask you, on the the basis of that, could you you give an hour and a half this, this week to come on a Wednesday evening and just start to look at the Christian faith? Will come in one of the next few weeks. I guess it's a bit like just a, a sort of a little step, a, a bit like a, just a cup of cold water in the direction of the Bible, just a, an opening of the door, just very slightly. 
Don't do it because you feel sorry for them. But how about do it on the basis Jesus recommends, verse 42? Because he is my disciple. Because these guys came from Jesus. These guys were with Jesus. It doesn't mean that you, on Wednesday evening, have to come along and sign up and agree to everything that we look at together. But how about just giving a cup of cold water in the direction of the Bible? Just a little step. Jesus encourages you, if that's what you're doing, if that's what you're willing to do, that you're on the right track. He says, I'll tell you the truth. Someone who does that, someone who starts to listen to these disciples, gives a cup of cold water, welcomes them in, because they come from me, won't lose his reward. And that might be you uh, this week, that you come along and do that. And through them, you'll be listening to Jesus Christ and what he says about what to do in the time of crisis, where to go, where to look, to avoid verse 28. And some of you, as I said at the start, have done this. And Jesus promised to you, if that's you, is verse 42, he will certainly not lose his reward. It's another way of rhetorically saying, the reward is certain. The reward is certain if you're following me, if you've received my teaching and what I did on the cross, then you will be with me in that day of ultimate peace. Do you remember I mentioned at the start Lawrence Goldburn? He was the, is the mining uh, minister in uh, Chile. Of course, his plan was successful. His plan was successful. The 33 miners uh, came out. And we've all seen the, the pictures of them as they come out of this deep tunnel, hundreds of meters below the ground. And they were pulled up from that dark pit uh, where they'd been for all of those days, pulled out into the sunlight. And there they are, blinking uh, behind their expensive sunglasses, blinking uh, as the light comes in and they're reunited with people. Jesus Christ says that that's what his death on the cross does. We should be in the pit of verse 28. It's where we should be. But his death on the cross is the way to peace, is the way to the world of peace that Jesus Christ is bringing in. And Jesus says, look, if you're trusting in me, you won't lose your reward. One day you'll be part of those people who are finally and perfectly in my ultimate world of peace, in the new heaven and the new earth that I'm bringing in. So hold on. If the cost feels too much, hold on. One day you'll be stepping out, blinking in the sunlight, reunited with all of the people who are trusting in Jesus Christ, and you'll be there forever. So keep going if the cost feels too much at the moment. So who do you listen to in a time of crisis? Who do you listen to? That's Jesus' question. Do you see how this passage works as a whole? Jesus says there's verse 28, there's heaven and hell. I come to divide, there's a division. And people line up on one of two sides. Some refuse, verse 35 to 39, some refuse, put other things instead of me. But some accept, accept my teaching and receive a reward. And the question Jesus asks us is, which are you? What will you do? as you meet Jesus Christ at the fork in the road. Let's pray. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Lord Jesus, thank you for your direct words to us this evening.
Thank you that you're straight with us. And we pray that where we're finding it uh, tempting to find our life here, that you would remind us of these words, that we would lose it if we tried to do that. But where we're struggling because actually we've lost life in this world because we've trusted in you and we are struggling under the weight of that, please would you encourage our hearts that one day we'll find it, that we find it in you and that one day we'll step out into the sunlight and receive the reward that you won for us on the cross. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.